We spent the following day rummaging around the Osceola. Carla never found the smoking gun she was looking for. Rumpled, bloody clothing and or a flowery raincoat. I didn't mind following her around and letting her spend as much time as she wanted loitering in each and every room because I figured out my audiobook program. I spent the day listening to Carl Hyacinth's Bad Monkey. For all my old fart get-off-my-lawn disparagement regarding the stupid phone craze, I must now admit it's a handy device. A pair of earbuds plugged into a good book, drop the phone in your pocket, and you've got yourself a very effective wall against human interaction. The iPhone is the best thing that's happened to antisocial people since voicemail. As a matter of fact, I am currently in the waiting room of the oral surgeon who did Carla's jaw, listening to Leonard Cohen on YouTube. It's a friggin' delight. I might sit here all day and peruse magazines while listening to one of the best voices of my generation, were it not for the fact that Carla's just been escorted back out into the waiting room. The nurse smiles as she speaks to her. I pull out a single earbud. You will be numb for a while. Stick to liquids and semi-solids for a couple days. No chewing. Any pain should be manageable with ibuprofen. It's going to feel tight and weird for a while. Some of my patients describe a heavy feeling in their cheeks, so be extra aware when you're attempting to move your jaw from side to side. Don't force anything. You can practice opening and closing your mouth, moving the jaw side to side gently as you test the limits until it loosens up. I put our numbers, including the after-hour service, on that paperwork. Let us know if you have any pain that ibuprofen doesn't help or run into any issues. Take it slow. Listen to your body and you will be fine. Okay. If she listens to her body as well as she listens to me, you'll be seeing her soon. I said this louder than was appropriate, but I was aiming to entertain the octogenarian with the cast on her leg, who'd been smiling at me across the room since her husband was called back. Ignore him. He's an idiot. I just keep him around to kill spiders. I've got one of them myself. Hey, I thought we'd established a silent but unmistakable rapport while we shared this waiting area. I always stick up for the gal. Men are assholes. Then she offered Carla the raised fist salute that the iconic black and white photo of Gloria Steinem and Dorothy Pittman Hughes popularized as a signal of feminist solidarity in the 70s. Carla returned the fist just as the beginnings of a Carla-esque open-mouthed laugh tried to make a very unfortunate appearance. <laughs> uh, oh, God. Oh, I gotta do that. I guess she wasn't listening to her body, I told the old gal who snickered in spite of herself. Alright, move it, old man. We've got shit to do. The Dex Morneau series by Jenny Decker. Narrated by Greg Kreitz and Jenny Decker. Music by Blue Dot Sessions. What shit are you referring? We are going to pay a visit to the hardware store owner and his wife. 
Google Maps tells me we're 13 minutes away from where they are. Google Maps was off by two minutes. We pulled down the long driveway of a modest house which was surrounded by trees that had long ago succumbed to winter's not-so-tender attentions. Is there a game plan here, or are we on a fishing expedition? Fishing? I still think the cop did it, but I still want to talk to them and get their vibe. Lola said people described him as creepy and her as an uptight religious nutter. I'd like to see for myself. Lola told me that she tried to talk to them years ago. She called and the wife answered. They didn't want to talk to her about it other than to say that after the murder, she brought her church friends into the store and they had some sort of religious exorcism type deal to ward off the evil spirits. I swung the door open. I wasn't even bothering with the fuck stick anymore. It was a joy to exit a vehicle without all the clattering and cajoling. Oh, I almost forgot. The oral surgeon had my ER report. He said that the drug they found in my system was an animal tranquilizer. Nice of Price to mention that, or anyone at the hospital for that matter. Seems relevant to me, doesn't it? I don't think he can get your medical information because of HIPAA laws, so he might not know. Good, I hope he doesn't, that fuck. I beg your pardon? I never promised you a rose garden. Dang it, Morno. Yeah, it's my musical inclination that'll be the problem here. I turned my attention to the lady at the door. She was a large woman, not fat, solid, with short gray hair and the sturdy build suggestive of farm work and childbearing hips. No makeup, no fuss, no polish or shine. She was essentially ivory soap. Hello, my name is Detective Dex Morneau, and this is my assistant, Carla Danning. Oh, you're the two from Detroit. Detroit rolled off her tongue on a face that I often associate with someone fingering warm dog shit through a plastic bag. Yes, ma'am. We were wondering if you might answer some questions. I'm sorry, I am busy, but even if I wasn't, I can't talk about it with you. I don't think Detective Price would like that. He has always told us not to discuss the details. The integrity of the case, you understand. The woman tried to close the door, but Carla slid a foot between the door and the jam. No, I don't understand. And Lola doesn't understand either. She told me she has tried to talk to you a number of times about her cousin. You know, the one who was savagely assaulted at her place of business. The store that you and your husband owned at the time. Is he here, by the way, your husband? No, he is not. But he wouldn't speak to you if he was. As I told you, Detective Price asked us not to speak publicly about it. Neither I or my husband or his brother will be speaking with you about it. His brother was the store manager at the time of the murder. Both men were present in the store when her body was found. If I could drill down on that for a second, was that a recent request or one he gave you early in the investigation years ago? I haven't spoken to him recently, none of us have, but he always told us from the first day not to discuss it. Now, if you'll excuse me. She looked down at Carla's foot and then slowly back up at her. Come on, Carla. I grabbed her arm. She wasn't very compliant, but Carla never is. 
When we got back into the car, I asked her if she knew why I asked what I asked. Yes, Morno. I'm not the fucking dunderhead you seem to think I am. You think if Price asked her long ago not to speak publicly and hasn't been around since, that means that he has probably ruled them out. But he thinks that they have valuable information about that day and he doesn't want them to share it. So you're assuming she's telling the truth when she says she has not talked to Price recently. She's just abiding by his original ask not to talk about it, period. Exactly. They're key witnesses regarding the timeline and people who were in and out of the store that day. Price is busy with the bombs. Busy trying to decide if they're related to the Reynolds homicide. Purchasing that rubber fitting ties the cop to the bombs, but that's all we've got right now. We don't even know if the raincoat guy is the cop. Nothing I've seen ties these people to the bombs or to that murder other than they all would have had the opportunity to kill her. Well, I was hoping to eliminate them so we can concentrate on the cop, but we don't have enough to do that yet. Hey, do you think Price knows about the raincoat guy? The old lady said she told the city police chief, but wasn't sure if it ever got to Price. We should let him know. Call or pop in. What you think? Well, what do you know? You just asked for my opinion, Morneau. Eh, don't read too much into it. I'm more hungover than usual today. Yeah, you were pretty drunk last night. Do you remember anything? Anything about what? Nothing, never mind. Let's go try the sheriff's department. If Price isn't in, we'll call him later. No, not nothing. What? Morno, if you drink yourself into a blackout, you're not entitled to a replay. So maybe don't drink that much if you're concerned about what you're doing or saying in that condition. What did I say? Do you believe that people are at their most honest when they're drunk? Nope. I believe they're at their most happy when drunk. Bullshit. You're not a happy drunk. Oh yeah? What kind of drunk am I? Well, when you're buzzed, you're cute and frisky. When you're drunk, you're verbose and sluggish. And when you're in a blackout, you're maudlin. You're never mean, though. I'll give you that. At least not intentionally. Glad to hear it. The maudlin part didn't sit right, though. In fact, it sat a little too close to self-pitying for my taste. But we wouldn't have time to roll that one around in our mouths. We'd just pulled into the parking spot outside the Osceola County Sheriff's Department, where Price maintained an office part-time. And this wasn't a conversation that could be had on our way to the door. Let me deal with Price. Can you do that? You didn't have a good start with the guy. He's probably not that crazy about me either. But let me do the talking this time. Fine. A uniformed deputy looked up from a desk behind the glass window as we entered. Can I help you? I'm looking for Detective Price. By any chance, would he be here? I just need a quick word. The deputy stood as Price walked out of an open door at the rear of the room. Detective, Miss Danning, how can I help you? Just wanted to pass along a lead we got after that city council meeting. Come on back. The deputy buzzed us in through two sets of doors and Price waved us toward the office, from which he'd earlier exited. We filed into the small square space and he closed the door behind us. 
you don't have your stick. Eyes better? I'm getting there. Still blurry. But I'm not bumping into things as much. That's good. What about you? How are you today, Mrs. Danning? Please call me Carla. I know that we got off on the wrong foot, and that's my fault, as my boss here has pointed out to me. But I don't want to be adversarial with you. I understand that's not helpful to my cause. Price smiled, and I found myself liking him a little more. Despite the offer, I knew he'd never call her by her first name. He was too formal and too old school for that. What is your cause, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, well... I just... Carla was genuinely taken aback by his question. She took a deep breath that broke about halfway through. Now, every man over 30 who's had a mother or sister or wife knows what that ragged breath means. But the colors pulsing off her told me she was doing her best to shove it back down. Pink rosebuds of sensitivity popped through a gauzy white film of honesty. The passionate purple tendrils, wending their way through it all, bathed her in what looked like a blanket of cherry blossoms. I can't go home not knowing what happened to her. I understand that that is selfish, because I'm not her family, and I can't imagine how Lola feels not knowing what happened. But I can tell you how I feel. I can tell you that the idea that this case won't ever get solved is just not okay with me. It's not a result that I am prepared to entertain. Can you understand that, Detective? Because I, I want you to know that I am not saying it in a critical way of your efforts, of law enforcement's efforts. I'm trying to make you understand that I've seen too much. I've read too much and I know too much for any of this to ever be okay with letting it go. I'm just trying to be honest with you. I know that I get over-eager and I do dumb things. He reminds me of that on a daily basis, sometimes hourly. It's not okay that he's still out there. It's not okay that somebody who beat the living shit out of someone until they were... damn near unrecognized... <clears throat> you know, it was the same with Trudy. And I get that I'm probably not cut out for this. Because I'm not okay with these women being forgotten simply because of the passage of time or apathy or judgment about who they were or even a lack of resources on the part of law enforcement. I don't care. I'm not okay with any of it. I feel like they have no voice. It was ripped away from them and there's no one standing up on their behalf screaming, this is not okay. And now there's Jolene. Morneau, she emailed me yesterday morning. I forgot to tell you. She said she's okay, but... I'm worried about her being out there all alone, because she's just a kid. She's always just a something, Carla. There will always be she or a he, and he or she will always have a something. Because you look into people and pick out their need, and then you start studying it too closely for your own good. I didn't say any of that out loud. Price's demeanor had gotten considerably more difficult to read. His colors were brown, but not the brown of illness or muddy emotions. His brown was steady and sure, and there were pinpricks of gold in there. A hue that wound its way from a place of spirituality and suggested to me that he believed in a greater good and a greater power, 
even though he'd not seen much of either during his career in law enforcement. Lash said he told you about it, about Jolene. Price nodded, but added nothing. Carla rolled her head around smoothly, trying to loosen the burdens that had taken up residence in the muscles of her shoulders and neck. I want whoever killed Jill Reynolds to go to jail. And I want that son of a bitch Sims to stay in jail. And I want to keep Jolene out of jail. If I have to sum it up, there it is. That is my cause, detective. And I think that cop killed Jill Reynolds. I know I don't have the facts to back it up, but my gut tells me it's true. I wanted to get us all on the same page and hoped Carla, splattering her feelings all over the place, had softened him a little. Lash sent me a document the FBI Behavioral Analysis Unit worked up. So, what we know is that they think the bombs are related and they targeted Carla. We also learned that the cop lived at the Osceola at the time. Then an old lady ran out of the council meeting and told us that on the afternoon of Jill Reynolds' murder, she saw a man wearing a white flowered woman's raincoat with a hood walking from behind the businesses on Upton, cross over Chestnut, and disappear behind the buildings on the other side, headed in the direction of the Osceola. Who was this woman? Price asked this with a quiet precision that made it clear to me it was new information to him. Oh my God, Morneau, I'm such an idiot. I didn't get her name. Well, that makes two of us. I thought for a second. She said she worked at a clothing store called Daisy Maid. Yes, and she said her boss's name was Bob Cox. Harla Lavoie. I know who she is. Is this new information to you? Yes. He scribbled something on a notepad next to his phone. Then, Carla asked the one question I absolutely did not think he'd answer. Is the cop your guy, Detective Price? Yes. But what troubled me was that Price was looking at Carla, not me, when he asked the next question. Do you want to help me get him? Yes. No. 